Praise the Lord. This morning, I'm going to be talking on the topic of faith and uh, running the race of faith. It's taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, if you could just turn to that scripture. Throughout the New Testament, um, Apostle Paul refers to the Christian life to be like a race, that like an athlete we have to go through certain things, and uh, like a race we have to overcome certain things. And at the end of every race there's always a winner and a loser. And there's always a gift or a prize that we can achieve. But um, as I was reading this, I was often asking myself the question, is this just a dismissive analogy from uh, Apostle Paul? Or is it something that has slightly more meaning? So the scripture reads thus, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, the first thing I think we need to do is just quickly go through the title, just break down the title a bit, disassemble it so that we know where this is going, and then we can go through certain points. The first of these points is... Faith. (laughs) Yay. What is faith? Now, I just wanted to have a quick overview of what the Bible, uh, sorry, what the dictionary says faith is. And uh, faith is described here as a confident belief or trust in the truth or the trustworthiness of a person, an idea, or a thing. As we come further down with the Wikipedia definition, it says, Uh, As with trust, faith involves a concept of future events or outcomes, and it's often used conversely for a belief that is not resting on logical proof or material evidence. And likewise, if we go down to the dictionary definition, again, I've highlighted it in yellow, it says belief, uh, faith is a belief that does not rest on logical proof or material evidence. But what does the Bible say about faith? Well, if we look at the King James Version, uh, I think it's chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders uh, obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And my favorite translation, which is this one here on the New Living Translation Bible, this one simply says that faith is the confidence that we hope for, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. And through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words... God made things from his word, from his power. 
And by faith, we believe in it. We trust it to be true. We trust by faith that God is who he says he is in the Bible. We trust by faith that God says that what he can do, he can do. That what he has done, he has done. Is by faith. We cannot prove it. We cannot disprove it. We simply believe it to be true. And that is, the, that is what binds us with God. The Bible says that you cannot please God without faith. You have to trust in God. You have to believe in God in order to please God. So moving on. We also need to have a quick overview of, of what is a race. Now, a race, by my experience with playing sports and the races and things that I've competed in, a race has normally been where there has been a route or a path that has been pre-organized or planned by a group of people that are organizing the race. It's, it's got a, an actual uh, starting point and it's got a, a designated finishing point. And likewise, the Bible says that God knows the beginning from the end. He created and he will know the ending point for every one of us and for even for, for the life as it is on this earth. So God knows the beginning and the end. With this, with this course that's been planned or predetermined, the course takes into account experiences and the abilities of the athletes, especially when we're thinking in terms of an athletic course. It takes into consideration the people that are going to be entering themselves for it. You have beginner's race courses, you have intermediate race courses, and you have professional race courses. You don't have people who are just starting out in athletics running a course that is designed for somebody who has been running for many, many years and training for many, many years. The course is often designed to be challenging, to put the athletes through their paces so that they can accomplish the route and to push the boundaries of their abilities. Likewise, God has given us abilities and gifts that we are to use. And it is only through a course that we are to follow that these gifts are brought out in us. And certain gifts are given glory and other gifts that are not meant for us subside. The course being as such also helps out to, to even out people's abilities. So that each and every one of us has got different gifts that are designed for different times. If we take, for example, triathlons, which is something that I myself have competed in. Triathlons has three disciplines, swim, cycle, run. It's no good trying to ride a bike in the pool, and it's no good trying to run whilst you're trying to cycle. There are three different disciplines, which, are, which means there are three different ways to compete, three different ways to train, three different ways to prepare yourself. And I ask myself the question, if an athlete can have a predetermined course or route that has been planned by people, how much more so can we, as Christians, created in the image of God, have a planned route for us? A starting point and a finishing point, and a route that is designed to bring out your gifts, things that you may, may not even know about, but they're there. And the life that you are leading is designed in such a way that God will bring those gifts out in you. But they're not meant for your glory. Those gifts are meant for God's glory. So the route that you will follow may be hard, it may be difficult. But the course that is designed for you brings out your gifts for God's glory. 
The final point is running. Running, according to the dictionary, is an act of a person who runs. So it means, basically it means that it requires a conscious decision to move. You can't enter yourself into a race expecting to win. And already in your mind you have not even put yourself on the starting line. It's no good that you enter yourself into a race with a conscious decision that you're not going to move a muscle in your body. Because you're not going to finish the race. So likewise, running implies an action. It implies moving. It implies that you will start at your starting point, finish at your finishing point, and you will move uh, from that start point to the end point through the course, through the challenges, and overcome what needs to be overcome. So our title in its entirety before I condensed it down could read putting into action the confidence and assurance that we have in God to follow the path or route that he has set out before us. That is more or less the topic in its entirety this morning. Now, athletes have got certain things they need to do in order to be race worthy or even to finish the race. The first one is training. Training is vital. An athlete, in order to be a success, has got to train. And a training program can be simply broken down into three distinct areas. You have goal setting, identifying strengths and weaknesses, and an exercise plan. Now, the first one of these is goal setting. How does this relate to being a Christian? Well, an athlete goal sets. They decide what they want to achieve long term. They decide what they want to achieve short term. By setting goals long term, they are looking at the kind of race that they're going to be going in for. They're looking at uh, what they are going to win at the end of the race. And they are also setting themselves markers along the way which are their short-term goals, that helps them to know that their training is taking them in the, same, in, in the right direction. Identifying strengths and weaknesses. Identifying your weaknesses allows you to train and perform in the areas where you are weakest. And the only way that you can do that is to be honest with yourself about the areas that you are not strong in. Likewise, with your strengths, you need to identify where you are strong so that you can use those strengths in times of need, but also so that you can uh, improve those strengths when you need to rely on them. And an exercise plan. This is a routine to follow Uh, that improves the strengths and the weaknesses alike. You don't just train your strengths and you don't just train your weaknesses. You train both. There is a different way to train each one so that your performance as a whole is strengthened. And an athlete would uh, would, would improve their strengths and weaknesses which will help to raise their ability and their performance uh, in the future. Now... Apostle Paul, his goal 
was to know Jesus Christ. His goal was to be like Christ and to be all that Christ had in mind for him to be. This was his planned route. This goal took all of Paul's energy. You may be thinking that there is a goal for you that you want to be something, that you want to accomplish something out of life. But you may not be prepared to put in the time or the effort. Or you may feel that you have obstacles to overcome. You may be aware of these things. But be encouraged. Because Paul had a goal. His goal was to be like Christ. And in doing that, in working and setting out to achieve that goal, it took all of Paul's energy, his time, and in the end, his life. Paul remained focused on his goal throughout. And although he was very much aware of his weaknesses, his temptations, and his lusts, he was equally, if not more aware, of his strengths. Paul remarked that he often finds his spirit desiring one thing and his flesh propelling him to do another. How many times do we, as Christians, get up in the morning and pray, Lord, strengthen me. Lord, beautify me with your salvation. Lord, touch my life today and bring a transformation. How often do we pray these prayers? And then by 9.30 in the morning when we've got to work, we've already broken our prayer and and our requests for God in our lives that day. How often do we say, Lord, withhold my mouth so that I do not speak anything horrible to anyone today. And the moment you deal with your first customer, you've already broken that prayer request. So we are not alone. Every Christian that has gone through the ages has encountered the same problems when they've got their goal. Paul often um, remarked that he wanted to overcome these things. But the question that I asked myself at that, at that point was, how do we know that Paul maintained this kind of a stance? How do we know that he resisted right to the end? Oftentimes we feel that we can't go on, that we can't overcome, that this goal that we have got to be like Christ or this goal to know Christ is too immense, it's too much. It's too much of a challenge. Look at the world that we live in. Look at the people that we're dealing with. Look at the people we try and speak to and encourage. We have to just try and encourage ourselves just to get through the day. So how much of an immense goal is this? But how do we know that Paul managed to stay the course? Well, if we go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, it says there that Paul states that he has run his course, he has fought the good fight, and he has finished his race. Throughout his life, from the moment that he was called, Paul kept his goal to be like Jesus in his mind, at the forefront. It was what propelled him in the morning. It was what made him want to have his Witterbix in the morning and move on and keep going. We also need to be aware and accept that we can be susceptible to lusts of the flesh, that our spirit will cry out for one thing, but our bodies and our minds will propel us to do something completely different. 
by setting aside time to pray, time to read the Bible, and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us, we are equipping ourselves with the necessary tools to overcome and diffuse many situations as they arise. Paul recognized that these things never went away. As a Christian, these things are not going to go away. You will learn to overcome them. You will learn to pray and talk to God about them. But they're not going to go away. You're too great a treasure to the kingdom of heaven for God to just abandon you. You're too great a treasure for the devil to leave you be. Your soul is what the devil wants. And God wants your soul too. It's how you live your life and the goal that you set for yourself that determines much of where you go. We can follow the example of Paul. And our training program that we design for ourselves as Christians should include a daily dose of the word, prayer and meditation on God, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us and shape us to how God wants us to be. The Bible says in, in the book of Genesis that we are created in the image of God. As such, there is nature of God that is in us. There are things in you that God has put in you purposely. There is desires and ambitions that God has put in you purposely for you to want to be something. But in order for you to uh, achieve that, you've got to recognize what your goal is. Your long-term goal. What is your goal? You need to ask God, what is your goal? And then short term, you need to set yourself short term goals that will allow you to recognize that you're moving in the right direction. When you compare yourself to the scriptures, you will recognize whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things. By reading the word, you will understand more and more about your course and your route. Training means sacrifice. An athlete who wants to be successful will have to push themselves into a disciplined lifestyle that will often mean that they will have to forego food, drinks, social activities, and other things that could contradict what their goal is. An athlete believes that in order for them to be successful, that they have to maintain their body in a peak condition. And as a Christian, we too need to get that mindset. The mindset where we want to be in peak condition every day. Where our goal is our first, go- uh, our first thought in the morning. And the disciplined lifestyle that we need in order to achieve that goal, is not disregarded. It doesn't mean that the joy of life is gone. Oftentimes when we say that we're Christians, the people that I've spoken to anyway, tend to think that it's a boring life, that all it means is going to church all the time, saying a few prayers, and then going home, uh, that we don't, eat food, certain foods, we don't drink certain drinks, we, don't, we sort of abstain from all the fun things in life. But my question is, what do you determine to be fun 
What do you think is fun? Where do you get your joy from? The Bible says that we should get our joy from the Lord. Our joy comes from the Lord. So if we are pushing ourselves to achieve our goal, to be more like Christ, to do the things that God wants us to do, then surely our emphasis on joy and our emphasis on happiness and the pleasure that we get from the world will shift from the world to God. Surely all the things that we would get tempted by in the world will slowly subside and diminish into nothingness. Because our focus is so focused on God. Your emphasis of joy is changed. This disciplined life of a Christian will often mean foregoing certain places, people, events. And this is not to stop us from having fun. This is just purely so that the lusts of the flesh or the desires of the flesh are not given into by the Spirit. We know that the Scripture, we, we've all heard the Scripture that says that the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. Oftentimes that is the case. You put yourself in an environment as a Christian where you're supposed to abstain from something, chances are you will cave in and you will go and do what you're not supposed to do. It's just the sinful nature. It's just from the very beginning, the way our bodies have become, the way that the flesh desires instant gratification, you will always cave in. But you need the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God. We cannot please God and please the world at the same time. You cannot serve two masters. The Bible says it quite clearly. We cannot serve two masters. Therefore, our training needs to be designed in such a way that we sacrifice certain things in life. You set your goals and you identify a means of sacrificing them. The second main point is press on towards your goal. So far we've looked at ways we can prepare ourselves by allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way, by spending time in the presence of God and reading his word, we can improve our ability to perform in times of need. We rely on our source of our energy, which is the Holy Spirit. We rely on the source of our strength, which is the word of God. For some of us, we have been on this journey for some time. For others, they've only just begun. And for many, there may be one or two here today, I don't know, who are just considering joining this race. The Lord's advice to people today is to keep pressing on. If we uh, look at chapter, sorry, Philippians chapter 3. Apostle Paul says there, Verse 12 to 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, 
but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let go. An athlete, when they are training, has to identify certain things that they are holding on to, physically, emotionally, weight-wise, muscle-wise, dietary-wise. There are certain things that they are holding on to that are weighing them down and holding them back. It's unnecessary baggage that hinders their performance, that prevents them from being all that they could be. The book of Hebrews, going back to Hebrews chapter 12, says there that we need to lay aside every weight and every sin. Apostle Paul had many a good reason to forget his past. I mean, he was killing Christians. His mistakes, his wrongdoings, his sins, the constant battle with his temptations. Equally, we have also done things in life that we are not pleased with, that we're ashamed of. This whole week has been probably one of my toughest weeks ever. But it's not just the temptations that we go through. We then spend the rest of our lives torturing ourselves over the fact that we have messed up in some way or another. Broken relationships, friendships, habits, lusts, you name it. Each and every one of us has done something wrong in some way or another. But we don't want to let it go. It comes to a point where we feel comfortable feeling miserable about that thing every single day that we wake up. We slowly become fearful of even trying to make a go of it in case we make another mistake. We need to learn to let go of these things, but also the condemnation that goes with it. The Bible says that there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Even before the foundations of this world, God has chosen us to be blameless in his love. God has looked at your life. He has looked into who you are, where you are going, and he has decided that you are going to be more than what you are today. He has already looked at your mistakes, and he has decided how he is going to bring you to your knees to recognize that he is God. He's already decided that you are going to be not just a competitor in this course that he has run for you, but you are going to be a winner. So whatever you came into church with this morning, whatever negative viewpoint of yourself, whatever stress, whatever anger, whatever frustration, whatever disappointment, even if it's not just about yourself, If it's about somebody that you know, 
Leave it at the cross this morning. Walk away with that, without that baggage this morning. Leave it where it belongs and let Jesus take hold of it for you. Jesus shed his precious blood on that cross to give us victory over our sin. He gave us victory over temptation and lust. He gave us victory over our weaknesses. They were made strong. So this morning, we need to look and say that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. All those scriptures of empowerment come back to us when we need them. But they're there for a reason. So that you recognize that you can't do this on your own. That you need God in your life. You need him every single day to bring a transformation, to give you strength, to lighten your load. The Bible says, come to me, all ye who are wearily laden, and I shall give you rest. Why does he say that? It's a simple exchange. You give God your burden. You give God what is weighing you down, that is holding you back, and he will give you his burden. And his burden is so much lighter. So much lighter that you'll feel like you're flying. And we all know that the Bible says that he will mount us up like eagles. He will make us soar. How can you soar when you are weighed down? How can you fly when you are going through life carrying such a burden? Something on your heart that prevents you from stepping into the presence of God and talking to him honestly and earnestly about your life and its direction and where you're supposed to go. So let go this morning of some of those things. Put them at the foot of the cross. Don't look back. Looking back opens up a whole new kettle of fish. It's like opening a can of worms. When you make a decision, it's like that song says, the cross before me, the world behind me. When you make that decision to be a Christian, oftentimes you suddenly start finding that you're comparing your Christian life to your worldly life. You start looking at what you had and what you've got. An athlete, when they're racing, looks ahead, or should do. They look ahead. They're looking ahead so that they can stay focused on their goal. They're looking ahead so that they can see the finishing line. They're looking ahead so that they can see where they're placing their feet so they do not trip over. They're looking ahead so they're not looking at other competitors. A momentary glance over your shoulder when you're running could change the course of the whole race. And likewise as an athlete, sorry, as a Christian, as we're going through our lives, if we're constantly looking back over our shoulder where we've come from so that we can make a comparison to where we are now and where we're going, we're going to become distracted. We're going to become distracted by other Christians and what they're achieving. We're going to become competitive against them 
and not focusing our attention on God. Instead of looking where we're going, we're going to end up looking back at where we've come from and being tempted to fall back into our old ways. We're going to be looking back at things that we used to do that brought us that gratification. And we're going to desire to do those things again. Now, there is one little story I was probably not going to share with you, but I think I might. (laughs) When I was younger and I was at school, just to highlight this point, I was probably about 12, 13, and people who know me quite well know that I've got bowed legs at the best of times. And um, it was sports day, as usual, the most embarrassing time for most children. And I'm standing there on the finishing line. I'd been put in for the 400 meters, which being quite short was pretty difficult because all the other guys were a lot taller than myself. So I'm there standing on the starting line with all the others, and I'm ready to go. And all of a sudden... The uh, hooter goes, and we're off. And for the first time in my life, ever, in fact, I was actually in front. And we're approaching the first bend, and I'm jogging along, and I'm glancing over my shoulder, and I'm thinking, this is, a, this is fantastic. I was flying. And I'm just coming around to the second bend, and I thought, oh, where is everybody? I thought they had literally stopped. So I'm looking over, and I look over my shoulder to see where they are, And I trip. My legs all buckle under me. And I'm flat on my face. But I don't just fall onto the grass. It's a powdered white line. So I'm there with this dark t-shirt, dark shorts. And I've got this white line running right down the middle of my body, right down my face. And I'm laying there just eating powder. All these people went thundering past me and just finished the race well ahead. By this point, I'm still laying in the grass thinking, should I get up or should I pre- pretend that I'm actually injured? Should I, should I fake an injury here? So, of course, you know, pride got the better of me and I uh, sort of pulled myself out of the ground. Ah, ah, ah. And I was, you know, a trainer came off, you know. Oh, it's terrible. And people even came over, parents came over from the stands to pick me up. And carrying me back. By which time, you know, they're coming. I'm like, oh, it's really bad. So, because I looked over my shoulder, because I was not looking where I was going, I stumbled and I tripped over. And likewise, another embarrassing story, not for myself, so I'm not going to mention any names. But when I used to work in a gymnasium, there was a guy who used to come in quite regularly to use the gym, and he was a treadmill guy. And he used to run on the treadmill every day for at least an hour and a half. This one particular day, I went in there to talk to him and to see how he was doing and just to uh, encourage him. And as I got there to encourage him, I walked in the door and he turned around to say hi. And as he turned around to look over his shoulder, he fell off the treadmill But he didn't just fall off like most people and sort of, you know, dance his way across the gym. He fell right off the back, fell flat on his face, and his face hit the belt. And he was there going on the belt. So it just goes to serve and highlight my point even more. That looking back 
takes your eyes off your goal. Looking back stops you from moving forwards at the speed, at the pace, at the time that you're supposed to be. And it also takes your eyes off of God. If you're looking back, you're not looking up. If you're, not looking, if, if you're looking back, you're not looking forward to where God is taking you. And sometimes we find ourselves as Christians trying to walk another Christian's path. We look at what others have got in front of us and around us and we sort of say, well, I should have that. I pray, if not more than they do. I should have that. I read the Bible more than they do. I should have that. The truth is that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He has set your course. He has blessed you with certain things. It's those things you hold on to. There are certain desires of your heart which you will make known to God. But God will choose as and when you'll be blessed with them. They are designed for you at a certain time in your life when God feels that you will give him the glory and not yourself. There are certain things that you are more than capable of having right now, but you won't give God the glory. You will give yourself the glory. The other thing as well is that when we are not looking at um, the journey that we are taking and looking forward to where God is taking us, we often find that we feel that we're no longer uh, achieving anything. We f- no longer feel encouraged. We feel discouraged. We feel that God is not there, that he's not answering our prayers, that he's not hearing us. We feel that we are flat, down and out. Most of the time, that is just purely because we are looking too carnally. We are looking at the things around us in the world And we're not focusing our attention on God. It's quite simple. The final point on pressing on towards your goal is more speed, less haste. Be patient, endure, and overcome with the power of God. Now, I don't know if if many of you guys have heard this phrase, more speed, less haste. But I never understood it as a kid. I always thought it just meant Boy, you're too slow. Keep moving. You do things in my time, not your time. That's what I thought. But what I've come to realize is about more speed, less haste. Is that, well, my understanding of it is that it means when you do things speedily, you are still doing them under some form of control. You are doing them with an, a, a, a sort of an experience. Whereas if you do things hastily, You lose control. Things become out of control. You can't get things done the way that you wanted to get them done. You can't get them done as as properly. So the quality of your work or the quality of what you're achieving is impaired. We look at the scripture. The Bible says in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we are to run this race with endurance. That we are to endure. So, what does endurance mean? Endurance means that you persevere. In a a nutshell, it kind of means that you persevere through the obstacles, the challenges, the trials and tribulations. As an athlete, they are on the starting line and they've got so much energy. 
They've got adrenaline coursing through their body. And they are focused on what they're trying to achieve. You ask a marathon runner how they feel at the beginning of the race, and you ask a marathon runner halfway through the race, and they have two totally different emotions that will come out. And the reason for that is because they hit what they call a brick wall. They hit all sorts of challenges along the way, physically, emotionally. And this prevents them, or some of them, from continuing on. And it certainly stopped me from continuing on when I was running that race at sports day. Instead of falling flat on my face and pretending to be injured, I could have got back up and at least finished my race. But I didn't. Instead, at the first hurdle, I collapsed and I didn't get up and carry on. As Christians, we need to have a mindset to overcome, to persevere, and to take on the challenges and the obstacles and keep going despite exhaustion. There's a scripture here that I think I wanted to share, which was from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 to 12. It says here, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. For a man also does not know his time, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. We're living in times that are, that can ensnare us. We're living in times that are difficult. And oftentimes the mindset of people is to go rushing off. And especially when we're Christians and we give, first give our life to Christ, we go rushing off. But the Bible here could, is, in this scripture is saying the race is not to the swift. To be swift is to be fast, is to be fast and furious. Now, we don't, as a Christian, we need to get into the mindset that we are running a race that is uh, a long-term race. It is supposed to last you a whole lifetime. That being a Christian doesn't last just for a week. You don't sign up to be a Christian for a week and then at the end of it get a t-shirt. Although there are t-shirts in the back for King's Church, Cambridge. Um... What you're signing up for is a belief and a trust in God that your whole life is in his hands. The whole course of your life is in God's hands. All of your decisions that you make need to be influenced by God. All of your directions and journeys that you take in life need to be influenced by God. So it's not for the swift. It's not that we go rushing in And after a week of praying and fasting, after a week of seeking God, that's enough for the rest of your life. That's not the case. You need to set yourself, like we've looked at, you need to set yourself an exercise plan. You need to set yourself a routine that you can follow that will allow you to spend constant time in the presence of God. To spend constant time reading his word. 
staying in prayer and seeking. Because oftentimes you'll pray and you'll want an answer, but it won't come in your time. But it will come in God's time because he knows where he's taking you. So we need to be encouraged that we're not running a sprint race. As athletes in, the Christ, in, in Christendom, we are running a marathon race, one that we need to endure, one that we need to overcome obstacles along the way. So in conclusion this morning, let me just read this scripture from the book of First uh, Corinthians. Provided I haven't lost it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus. Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. The Lord has got a prize for you all. Each and every one of us. He's got a gift for you to use. He's got a higher calling for each and every one of us. He's blessed you with something. He's blessed you with a journey. He's blessed you with direction. This morning, what God wants is for you to recognize that, first of all, you need to develop and maintain faith in God. You need to first recognize that He is God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. He is the Almighty, He is the Prince of Peace. Without Him, this world would not exist. Without God, you wouldn't exist. You need to develop a trust that the path that God has got for you is better than the one that you can carve out for yourself. Oftentimes, you leave it a couple of days after God has blessed you with something and we forget the blessing. We move on and we start trying to achieve things. And oftentimes when we do things ourselves, that's when we invite problems and trouble into our lives. Make your decision today to put yourself into action. Let things go. Press on and endure with all the power of God. You can't press on your Christian life by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God in your life. So press on today. Let things go. Let the past be. You cannot bring the past with you. The past is past. Press on. Keep your focus on where God is taking you. Do not concern yourself too much with other people around you in that sense. It's good to be in good company. But do not become comparative your life against another. Look to where God is taking you and press on. And along your journey with Christ, you're going to endure challenges, tribulation, suffering, sickness, 
But along the way, you need to recognize that God is the God of healing. God is a God who empowers. God is a God who gives direction. You speak with God and listen to God, and Jesus will help you. And finally, victory has already been won on the cross. Jesus died on that cross. He hung his head and said, it is done. Your victory is already assured. This morning, claim that victory. Claim that victory over your strengths, your weaknesses, pride, anger. Let God have his way this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.